listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It's a daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Thursday, the 16th of June 2023. Later in Market Day, we'll take a deep dive into China's economy as its central bank cuts another key interest rate for the second time this week. But first, to Australia's labour market, where the May unemployment rate fell to 3.6%, 40,000 jobs created, and the participation rate reaching a record high. It signals a continuing tight labour market and the potential for further interest rate rises to come. For more, I spoke with Callum Pickering, the Chief Economist at Indeed. Well, the labour market remains incredibly healthy. I mean, last year it was breaking records left and right. And despite the challenges of high inflation and rising interest rates, not much has changed. The unemployment rate is roughly as tight as it's been in the past half century. And given the very strong ongoing um, demand for workers across the nation, that probably isn't going to change in the near term. What do you think it says about the economy, though? Because we've got some indicators pointing to a softening yet then we get these strong jobs numbers. We are beginning to see some mixed um, economic indicators, which is a sign that certain uh, parts of the economy are beginning to to show signs of weakness. The retail trade uh, figures, for example, is is, uh, a really good example of that occurring. We are seeing weaker consumer sentiment numbers as well. But it's clear that uh, overall, the demand for workers remains incredibly strong, that businesses and business owners must feel pretty optimistic about their economic prospects, because if they weren't feeling that way, they wouldn't be hiring uh, in these sort of numbers. A lot has been said about declining productivity lately. Is there anything in these numbers to suggest that? And to what extent is that a concern? Well, the very weak level of um, productivity growth that we have seen is is obviously a a big concern for the economy. In the long term, productivity is what drives economic growth. It's what drives the the increase in living standards. So the fact that productivity growth right now is is very weak um, would naturally be a concern for for policymakers, uh, both at the Reserve Bank and at uh, Federal Treasury. We need to see that turn around if we want a healthy and vibrant economy long term. And We need that to turn around if we want to see strong wage gains long term as well, because if you have weak productivity growth, then high wage growth is going to translate into high inflation. And that's obviously not what we want in the current environment. Given we're talking a lot about that tight labour market, earlier this week we learnt that a record 927,000 Aussies are working multiple jobs. Today the ABS said that overseas migration has driven a 1.9% increase in Australia's population for 2022. Should this ease that labour market tightness? Well there's certainly an anticipation that very high levels of net migration will begin to ease some of the talent skill shortages that we have observed over the past 12 to 18 months. We're actually already seeing that to some extent. Over the past four months, employment has increased by 205,000 people, and yet the unemployment rate hasn't really moved. Um, That's incredibly strong employment growth, and and normally if you saw numbers like that, you would expect the unemployment rate to to have fallen quite a bit. We haven't seen that, and that's because of the the very strong population growth that we currently are experiencing. So the, the labour market at the moment is strong enough that it's absorbing all of that net migration, helping to fill some of these um, some of these roles that are are available, um, and the unemployment rate is is keeping pretty constant as a result of that. 
Over the past few weeks also we've started to see uh, uh, many more market watchers and economists revise up their expectations for the terminal um, uh, cash rate. Um, today's release, given the, the strong jobs numbers, does this increase the chances of further rate rises to come? Well, it certainly increases the likelihood of a July rate hike versus an August rate hike. Um, it's important to, to recognise, though, that an unemployment rate of 3.6% is actually in line with the RBA's expectations uh, when they released their, their latest forecast back in, in May. So it's not necessarily a surprising result from their perspective. Nevertheless, uh, it's very difficult to imagine them ignoring um, the, the very strong labour market figures that we have seen over the, the past few months. The RBA has noted um, that they think further rate hikes are going to be necessary to contain this inflation outbreak. And with inflation at 7% and the unemployment rate roughly as tight as it's been in the past half century, it's hard to disagree with that assessment. Callum Pickering there, the senior economist at Indeed. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. The Australian share market rose today up 0.2% on the S&P ASX 200, 7,175. That's despite talk of further rate rises here following that jobs data. Also some economic updates from the US as well as China. For more, I spoke with Damien Bowie, who's the Chief Macro Strategist at Baron Joey. Damien, how have the markets reacted to the latest jobs data and how has it changed interest rate expectations? How soon could we see another rate rise now? Yeah, so the market has been, um, I guess, looking for slowdown. Uh, So to get uh, a fairly strong jobs number where the unemployment rate goes back down and full-time employment goes up um, is actually challenging a lot of bearish expectations. Uh, It's making people think about how resilient really is this economy. Uh, Now, in terms of what's happened with interest rates, uh, the market yesterday was basically pricing in almost like a 20% chance of one rate hike in the next couple of months. Now, the rate hike pricing has gone to basically a 50% chance of a 25 basis hike, 25 basis point hike next month. How has the share market reacted? Yeah, so um, what's been surprising is that it's actually been the banks uh, that have uh, significantly outperformed today. So um, you might find this a little bit surprising, uh, given that, you know, we're talking about interest rate hikes and the like. I guess the narrative might partly be uh, that it's not as bad as we first feared in Australia. Maybe that's part of it. Uh, Maybe there's a bit of pessimism also about China. Um, So China has um, basically announced uh, engagement uh, with the private sector as to how it can stimulate. Uh, And some people read that as a good sign. Some people read that um, with a bit of scepticism. So to the extent that there are some concerns about China, uh, which the market is showing today uh, because resources aren't doing that well, uh, maybe there's been some rotation into the banks. On China, China's factory and retail sales growth missed expectations today. It supports moves by the uh, People's Bank of China to stimulate the economy uh, by cutting various key interest rates. Another one was cut today. What's your take on China's navigating its path out of COVID and its implications for global growth and for Australia? Yeah, so um, if China can get itself uh, up and running again, uh, this will diversify the global growth mix. So no matter what you think is happening in the US or Europe, if China is actually going okay, uh, then the overall pot of world growth will still be looking softish, but still reasonable. uh, And that might be enough to um, sustain some optimism uh, in markets. Now, in terms of, uh, I guess, the issues that China is facing and and what could they do, uh, I guess after COVID, people were expecting that with reopening, 
uh, the recovery would get a life of its own, much like it has in the developed markets. Um, you know, uh, COVID uh, and reopening just happened to be the gift that kept on giving uh, when it came to economic growth um, after the lockdowns had ended. Uh, but it was really interesting to see that in China, um, the reopening bounce kind of came and it went and it was fairly short-lived, all things considered. And so people have started to ask themselves the question, is there something wrong with the plumbing and the mechanics of the Chinese growth engine? Is it a lack of confidence uh, in what policymakers are doing? Um, is it such that policymakers simply need to show a little bit more conviction about wanting to stimulate? Are these the sorts of things that we need? Now, at the beginning of the year, uh, China uh, basically uh, got rid of its three red lines policy, uh, which basically was weighing on the property sector. However, what you've seen with a lot of the property market lending that's been happening is it's been going to finishing incomplete projects. Um, a lot of that lending hasn't quite made its way yet uh, to uh, home buyers. Uh, it hasn't necess- there haven't necessarily been reforms to help housing affordability. Um, and if housing turnover in the Chinese markets doesn't get going, then you're looking at local governments um, and local government infrastructure vehicles who are very heavily dependent on the property sector uh, for life. And people start to question uh, solvency, uh, debt servicing and things like that. Once you start to get uh, those sorts of concerns set in, then people start to worry about, well, is China going to experience large-scale capital outflow? Will that undermine uh, what Chinese authorities are doing, et cetera, et cetera? So that's kind of where China is. And most of the recent feedback about China um, that we get and other people um, have been reporting is actually pretty bearish. Now, uh, our take on that is that it is actually a little bit of um, uh, a little bit more conviction is required from policymakers. Uh, to stimulate in the right areas, uh, to uh, gain traction with the private sector, uh, who is somehow um, doubting what's going on. Now, I believe they can do it. And I also believe that uh, Chinese policymakers will be given the benefit of the doubt by foreign investors. Uh, And the reason for this is very simple. In the past, whenever China has eased, investors have typically looked through the easing to the bad news driving it. And the reason why they do that is because the yuan comes under devaluation pressure and you see capital outflow and the capital outflow undermines the liquidity conditions that you see within their economy. Now, what I think is going to happen is that the Chinese currency is actually slightly undervalued now. It's no longer overvalued like it once was. Uh, Inflation in China is lower and interest rates are higher than where they are in um, real interest rates are higher than where they are uh, globally. So to the extent that the Chinese currency has support, to the extent that you shouldn't be getting this capital outflow, if policymakers in China can simply uh, arrange a credible package, I think that the market will go for it. And I think that it will bite for their economy. And I think they can get their growth engine going again. Um, there's a lot of ifs and buts. Uh, people want to see tangible evidence. They want to see specific proposals. Uh, but I think uh, yesterday, uh, in particular, when Chinese policymakers um, allowed the, pub- the public to see that there is actual real engagement with the private sector uh, to get this going again, uh, I-, I think that's good news. So from one of the world's uh, biggest growth engines to the world's biggest economy, uh, the US decided to leave official interest rates on hold overnight, but there is still a risk that rates will go higher there, isn't there? What's that yes. then saying about the global environment? Because at the same yes. time, we saw today a much smaller economy, that New Zealand's economy entered a a technical recession. Yes. So um, I think uh, what counts as a recession uh, or what counts as really bad news for central bankers kind of needs to be put into perspective. So the US economy has been holding up reasonably well against quite a lot of bearish leading indicators and a lot of um, expectations to that effect. 
So uh, what's happening there is um, you've got this dynamic where as you raise interest rates, you help savers. You don't really hurt the marginal, the, the existing borrower because they're all on fixed rate mortgages and you might hurt the marginal borrower. It's a very equivocal policy mix. And it's unsurprising that as you raise rates, uh, the market might think that you're going to break something, but actually because you're helping savers more than you're hurting borrowers, um, it's actually a fairly benign impact of tightening on the economy. And there are a whole lot of other post-COVID developments which are happening, which are still supporting uh, the US economy. So uh, my understanding is that global central bankers are willing to tolerate even slightly negative growth for a little while, uh, but nothing major to really drive up the unemployment rate or to break credit markets or the banking system. So the pause that we've seen uh, really is a pause to take stock of everything that happened with in March with SVB, um, with tightening liquidity, um, and even the resolution of the debt ceiling could be a little bit complicated for money markets. Um, but once a lot of that uncertainty is kind of resolved or at least resolved to the Fed's satisfaction, they are still incredibly concerned about high inflation. Uh, and one of the issues for them uh, is that rental inflation uh, is still very elevated uh, and unlikely to come back to their target uh, on, on, on a reasonable time frame. So therefore, they need to continue raising rates. Uh, the market is currently saying that we don't believe you, Fed, when you say that you're going to hike twice more this year. Uh, and the Fed is adamant, no, that's where we're going. Okay, lots there to consider. Finally, uh, very briefly, where do you see the investment opportunities for uh, for investors at the moment? Yeah, good question. So uh, it depends on your horizon. If you're an Aussie equity investor and you're positioning for the next, uh, say, three to six months, uh, then the best places to be are A, in insurance, uh, because insurance stocks actually benefit from higher interest rates. Uh, the second thing that we think uh, is actually going to be a good opportunity here uh, is resources. Um, so we actually do believe that Chinese stimulus will gain traction. Uh, it is a dicey proposition. Uh, there is maximum bearishness about China at the moment, but therein creates the opportunity uh, to be different and to be a bit more positive. Uh, so insurance and resources are where we see key overweights. If you're a longer-term investor and you're concerned that central banks are going to really push the envelope here, obviously you might want to be a bit more defensively positioned, uh, but right now it's insurance and resources for us. Jamie and Bowie there from Baron Joey. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Music.